Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Good morning slash afternoon slash evening. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, I wanted to say thank you to every single person that I was able to meet this PodCon weekend, whether it was at the Multitude live shows or at our panels or at the convention or just in Seattle. I had a truly amazing time and met some wonderful people and it was so fantastic. And if you weren't there, it's okay. We're going to be uploading the audio from all of the various things we were a part of, the live show, the panels, etc. at Multitude.Productions. Just follow Potterless or multitude on social media we will tweet it out when stuff is live but all of the goodies from podcon will be up don't worry also a reminder that potterless is coming to portland in less than one month on february 17th potterless will be doing a live show for listen up portland which is a new podcast festival and i'm very excited about it if you want tickets or more information you can go to listenupportland.com i hope to see you there and speaking of hoping to see you somewhere, I hope to see you on Patreon, where we have new members that welcome to the team. So shout out to Catherine Moore, Marlene Mesger, Lucy Collar, Kristen Falk, Carolina Sedlachkova, Paolo Padehog, Benal Patel, Kayla Kenny, Madison Tapp, Jake Dunn, and Sarah Wheatley. A pronunciation correction for Jella Fondervecht. Shout out to Alex Surrett, who upgraded their pledge. And a huge shout out to our newest producer-level patrons, Sarah and Patrick Donovan, Alleycat29, William Byford, Hallie Bowen, and Gloria Gillum. They join the ranks of Leanne, Vicky, Aaron, Erica, Calvin, Sadie, Jesse, Natalie, Deborah, Clow, Alex, Frank, Marchismo, Tori, Samantha, Juan, Jenna, Kieran, Rebecca, Abid, Caitlin, Rosemarie, Jill, Marie, Lisa, Ariel, Romina, Kamel, Anthony, Russell, Dustin, Katie, Audra, Indiana, Eleanor, Sydney, Billy, Rossanne, Micah, Andrea, Nikita, Colette, Chrissy, Shrina, Lala, Chelsea, Taylor, Lovekesh, Ali, Cassandra, Roxy, Emilia, Sean, Jeremiah, Sarah, Jesus, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Jessica, Natalie, Arna, Brandy, Melody, Kristen, Zach, Elisa, Tiago, Daisy, Jessica, Orca, Jonathan, Joe, Isabel, Steve, Vivian, Samuel, Victoria, Elena, Takari, Darlene, Drake, James, Haley, Marino, Moster, Pinky, Hannah, Angelina, Ross, Marie, Peter, Maria, Phineas, and Natalie, Hermione. Victoria Lee, Alex Bryan, Caitlin, Cecily, Raul, Finn, Mosin, Grace, Sammy, Raul, Ingen, Mari, Brianne, Heidi, Alexandra, John, Jen, Sefran, Dusty, Noel, Tao, Hala, Emily, Michael, Robin, Rebecca, Patricia, Jane, Will, Neil, Liz, Mariah, Brandon, Vittorio, Sarah, Claire, Teal, Sina, Silje, Desiree, Rory, Gloria, and Can't I Potter? Who never get a brain freeze when eating frozen yogurt. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus episodes, my notes, exclusive merchandise, you can go to patreon.com slash potterless. And without further ado, let's get into episode 61 of Potterless, covering chapters 6 and 7 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, guest starring Sequoia Thomas from Fanatical Fix and Where to Find Them.
Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man reading a series of children's novels for the very first time. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that grown man, and I am here joined by a fellow Harry Potter podcast host. She is one of the co-hosts of Fanatical Fix and Where to Find Them. It's Sequoia Thomas. Sequoia, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. I'm so stoked to be here. Oh, I'm excited to have you. A while back, I was on Fanatical Fix, and we read a very interesting fan fiction where Harry was in love with Voldemort and that wasn't the biggest plot twist. No. So that says a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite stories that we've read just because it had the like second crazy plot twist. So yeah. that was a ton of fun. So I'm excited to be here now. You've been on my yes. podcast, I'm on your podcast. And at the time of posting this, not the time of recording, but LeakyCon will have been over and we will have just had our panel about being a Harry Potter podcast host. So I'm sure that went super well, yes, even though did. in real time, it's not about to happen <laughs> until like 12 more days. <laughs> yes. But I'm looking forward to I'm it. I'm sure it was fabulous. I'm sure we have changed the landscape of the Harry Potter universe as we <laughs> speak. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So one thing before we get started, first off, what is your Harry Potter house? Okay. I am a Slytherin. Uh-huh. And I know that that's like a controversial house to be in. <laughs> Only the book Slytherins, and you're not in the book, so you're probably very nice. <laughs> like, I know you are very nice. I know you're not racist. <laughs> so exactly. it's all good. Right, yeah. So I say like, if we're going by the books, I'm probably a Gryffindor. But as far as like fan canon is concerned, I'm definitely like ambition first, you know? Sure. And after doing some Facebook creeping, I saw that you were a referee for real life Quidditch. Yes. Uh, which I support. I love Muggle Quidditch because they fix the rules and it's so great. How was it being a Quidditch ref? That seems like a very interesting situation. It's weird because you're like refereeing your peers. Like everybody's like your age. Yeah. You know? So it's hard <laughs> to like get respect from people who are like, yes, you are also 20 years old. <laughs> Why should I listen to you in this context? But um, yeah, I did that for several years and I like managed teams and worked for a bunch of different like I planned tournaments and did stuff. So like real life Quidditch is seriously legit. I love Book it. Quidditch is a pile of garbage. Like what is, <laughs> what is 150 points for the snitch? That is not real. That's not And real. it ends the game. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I totally get where you're coming from on Quidditch. I'm so glad that I'm my Quidditch hatred is now finally validated by a real-life Quidditch expert. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get you on the podcast I knew for book seven, and I was trying to wait for Quidditch chapters, but... I've now learned they're not going back to school, uh, so there's not going to be any Quidditch. So this was the closest I could get because they talk about a snitch in Chapter 7. They so do. We, ki we kind of got there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, in a roundabout way, we did. Yeah, so I say we get right into it. We're going to be talking about Chapter 6 and 7 in this episode, and uh, we had some fun scrimger action later on. But oh, first, yes. we start with Chapter 6, The Ghoul in Pajamas. Harry is still getting over Mad-Eye Moody being gone, and he wants to start working on the Horcrux thing right away to kind of take his mind off it, which I can super sympathize with mm -hmm. when I should be like grieving or worrying about something more pressing or something that makes me sad. I'm like, I'm just going to work on something else and not have to think about the sad thing. Exactly. And like sad stuff happens to Harry like 
all the time, Mm -hmm. this poor child. And he's always just like, I don't know why my life is like this, but I have got to do something that feels like, you know, like he always feels like everything is his fault. So he's got to do something to fix it. Yes, which I can totally sympathize with it. Not exactly in the people that I know dying all the time department. Right. But definitely in the like fix things department. But that does come to bite me in the butt sometimes with my girlfriend because you know how men are always (laughs) trying to fix things rather than, you know, sometimes like have feelings. So uh, I get it. (laughs) And it's also a problem. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Those silly, silly boys. So Ron says that they can't start the search until Harry turns 17 due to the trace thing, but Ron says that Hermione has some theories about the remaining Horcruxes. Uh, Harry notes that the trace ends on the 31st, so he has to stay at the burrow for four days. Ron corrects him and says five because he has to say one day extra for the wedding. I just think it's weird that they didn't put the wedding like the day before Harry's birthday. Yeah. It had to be like after the trace was broken, which was really weird. <laughs> Like, you know when Harry's birthday is. You know that. I don't know if, like, because what date will this actually be? It would be, because Harry's birthday is the 1st, right, of, of August? The 31st. The 31st of July. Yeah. So I guess the only thing is, like, maybe they want the nice date of the wedding to be, like, oh, August 1st is just, like, a nice, like, pretty yeah, easier to remember nice. anniversary date. Yeah. I don't know. Well, the other thing, maybe... I guess this isn't a huge concern, but maybe it's a day of the week thing. And, you know, maybe Harry's birthday Um, was on a Friday. (laughs) They want to wait till a Saturday so people don't have to take off work. Hey, how's it going? It's editing, Mike. So I did the math and Bill and Fleur's wedding would have taken place on August 1st, 1997, which history tells me was a Friday. So they still didn't even do the right thing. Make your wedding on a Saturday. Then people don't have to take that extra day off of work. Now all these people have to take a Friday. Friday off from their wizarding jobs. Uh, Bill and Fleur, come on, think of your guests. Exactly, Saturday wedding. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this is a concern in war world, but, you know, maybe. <laughs> well, they're trying to, like, stay as normal as possible. You know, True. like, everybody is trying to, like, cling to this sort of, like, normal life that they were living before everything's being, like, torn apart and everything's terrible. <sighs> yeah. You know, so, mm-hmm. yeah, Saturday wedding. There you go. Very normal. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, Harry's mad because he thinks that time is crucial. But, like, dude, it's a day. Like, you're waiting a day for the equivalent of your brother to get married like I think you can cool it for 24 hours but he's the chosen one Uh, of course he is he's (laughs) Harry Potter so (laughs) Ron tells Harry that a lot of people have tried to get it out of Ron what their mission is they've tried this for Hermione as well and though others have kind of dropped it while they have refused Molly is not dropping it Molly does not want to let it go and keeps trying to get it out of them what they're trying to do and that seems like Molly's being the only sane one yes it really seems like more people should be more concerned. Yeah. Every other adult has been like, yes, you three 17-year-old children go off on <laughs> some kind of like a very dangerous adventure that was assigned to you by a person who is now gone and cannot help you. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But like, that's fine. You go do that. And Molly's just like, no, don't talk to each other. Don't look at each other. You're not leaving. You're not doing anything except what I say. Molly is phenomenal she's great and she's a very great mother figure for harry because you're right more people should be concerned (laughs) and even if they are gonna leave they should press more about 
what is the plan? Exactly. And maybe even if they don't tell them explicitly what the whole thing is with the horcruxes and all of that, because Dumbledore said don't tell anyone, mm-hmm. at least maybe they can tell them where they're going and yeah. where they are going to live and how they're going to get food and how much money are they bringing and what supplies. You know, they can ask all about their preparation aspect, even if they don't know the mission. Yeah. And at least put some people at ease rather than just tell them, nope, we, we're going and on the secret Dumbledore mission, we can't tell you anything. Bye, everyone. <laughs> yeah, bye all the people who care about us and for <laughs> whom we care. <laughs> exactly. So shortly after Ron tells Harry this, Molly presses Harry about why they're dropping out of school and what is this mission for Dumbledore. The whole conversation was starting of a ruse from helping Mrs. Weasley look for a sock that she thinks came out of <laughs> Harry's rucksack and after he won't back down he then takes the sock and goes and that's not mine I don't support Puddlemere United like they're the scum of the earth Quidditch team I don't know if this is the equivalent of like Harry being a Yankees fan and Puddlemere United is a Red Sox situation where he's like oh gross because I would be offended if someone was like oh I think you dropped a sock and it was a Red Sox sock I would be mortally mortally offended how dare you does it ever say what team Harry supports does he have a favorite team I'm not entirely sure that he does yeah I don't I don't think it's ever been mentioned. Yeah, I feel like just like for Ron's sake, he'd be like the Chudley Cannons are cool, you know. But just yeah, because Ron's that, and that's his best the team friend. that Ron's obsessed with. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe the Chudley Cannons and Puddlemere hate each other, and Harry doesn't want to like Puddlemere because he doesn't want to go against Ron. He doesn't want to associate with that. <laughs> so Molly asks if he will at least help with wedding prep, and Harry says yes. So the squad is doing a ton of wedding prep, and as you mentioned, Molly separates all of them and makes it so that the three of them are never in the same room working on something. And Harry realizes Molly is definitely doing this on purpose so that they can't scheme and plan. Molly's amazing. She's great. She's so good. Ginny also has the same thought and talks to Harry about it. And he asks, well, what is this going to accomplish? Does Molly think that someone else is going to kill Voldemort in the meantime? Oh, man. And Ginny goes, oh, that's what you're doing. And Harry goes, uh, uh, no, I was kidding. (laughs) Which... Great poker face by Harry Potter. He's Uh, so good at lying. (laughs) He's so smooth. Harry then realizes that this is the first time that he and Ginny have been alone since he's gotten to the burrow. And of course, before anything can come of this, a bunch of the order bursts in and that's the end of this special moment. So the burrow is the new headquarters for the order because with the death of Dumbledore, all of the order are now the secret keepers of the location of old place so there's more opportunities for someone to get broken down and then they find the secret location so they go to the burrow instead does the burrow have something where the death eaters don't know where it is because my whole thing is i feel like this is a bad headquarters it feels like a very obvious place it also feels like a really obvious place to me but i think that what they're assuming is that they're decoys and their enchantments and stuff are just going to like help with that. Okay. Because I can't, I would assume that the ministry knows where Arthur lives Yes. because he works there. Exactly. Of course they know where he lives. They talk a lot about having like a series of enchantments. There's just like too many to count around this house. Yeah. So maybe it's a situation where if we're going to hide somewhere, they can probably know any place that we will hide. We might as well pick the place that's got the most defenses up. Mm -hmm. So let's put them all around the borough. Because my understanding of the borough is that it's kind of like a house in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's easier to put a whole bunch of stuff. Whereas Grimald Place is a house that is in between two houses. (laughs) So I don't know how much, I don't know how much protection you can put on it. Whereas maybe the 
burrow, they can just enchant like every tree that's on their property to have something in it. Yeah, I would think so. Cool. So Mad-Eye set up curses against Snape returning to Grimald Place, though. So that is good. Mm -hmm. Bill and Lupin were unable to retrieve Mad-Eye's body, which is not good because they want to have some sort of funeral or ceremony for him. Mm -hmm. The Ministry has said nothing, and they also have not pressed charges on Harry because they know that they would then have to admit that Voldemort caused the attack. So it's, God, the Ministry just back on their bullshit. The Ministry as is usual. Awful. And, like, I can only imagine the Daily Prophet is just, like, running articles, like, uh, gardening tips for the <laughs> summer and, like, some bullshit where it's just, like, don't look over here. Don't look at that. Look at this. Look at this. Dumbledore, he might have been a bad guy. I don't know. I can't imagine being in a situation where, like, a war is going on. Like, it's a full-fledged war. Yeah. And, like, I don't, I can't imagine being in a real-life scenario where, I don't know, like, say it was, like, in, in, you know, after 2001, and we were definitely in the war with Afghanistan and Iraq and all of that, and definitely. all the newspapers were like, nothing's happening, everything's okay. No, I, I don't get how you can hide that. Doesn't everyone know what's going on? Right, and it seems like, I don't know, it seems like there's probably, like, no more than, like, a few hundred or a few thousand wizards in the country and you're just like this has got to be the grapevine has to have gotten this to everyone yeah like we've all got to be aware at this point no one is tricked (laughs) no yeah no one so harry thinks yeah why tell the public the truth which is a great thought fleur tells harry then that they will have to disguise him for the wedding because after people start to have champagne she's afraid someone heavily applying hagrid might let something slip i hate her (laughs) yeah they're really doing fleur dirty yeah Uh, I don't know what happened where she went from being awesome and very powerful and good at magic and smart to now it's just, let's just dunk on Fleur de la Cour all the time. Yeah, she's always saying some shady shit, throwing shade all the time. Yeah, all the time. Threw shade at Molly last book. Now she's throwing shade at Hagrid this book. She doesn't <laughs> like Celestina Warbeck. Ugh, just How hatred all she? over for Fleur. <laughs> Ron and Molly get into a fight that I've had a million times with my mother before, where Molly wants Ron's room clean for the wedding. And Ron asks, are they getting married in my bedroom? <laughs> no. So why in the name of Merlin, Saggy left and then gets cut off? <laughs> <laughs> which I don't know what his saggy left was going to be, but, but I'm guessing testicle, yeah. uh, <laughs> which it's great. This has always been my argument. My, my mom would always be like, Michael, you need to clean your room. Michael, you need to make your bed. We're having people over. Yo, mom, I'm just going to close my door. Yeah. Nobody should be going into my bedroom if we're having people over. If they did, that would be super weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is great. Uh, We get some like real great Ron sass mm -hmm. in these couple of chapters here. In these two chapters, Ron really steps it up. He does. It's very good. I love Ron. I'm very excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) So Arthur tells Harry that Ted Tonks sent the remnants of the motorcycle back and Arthur is going to work on fixing it up, which has me very excited because this makes me think that there will be a return of the motorcycle and it's going to be bigger and badder and have more gadgets, which I love. I really hope it comes back. I also love that he's just keeps being like, I'm going to work on this when Molly, I mean, when I have time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So great. Such a dad moment by Arthur there. Harry returns to the house and sees that Mrs. Weasley is gone, so he runs up to Ron's room where Ron and Hermione are talking. Ron is thinking that Mad-Eye might have survived because they didn't find the body. Harry and Hermione are less confident, which makes me think that Ron is correct. 
just given that when Ron says something offhand and Harry and Hermione put him down, he's usually right. So <laughs> this is uh, this is my guess is that maybe Mad Eye's alive, or at least did something before to hide his body. Something is I think something is up. So. Harry and Ron then theorize that they might not have been able to find the body because the Death Eaters transfigured it a la turning Barty Crouch mm -hmm. into a bone. Mm -hmm. And Hermione gets spooked thinking about this. Ron then comforts her, puts his arm around her, pulls out a dirty handkerchief, <laughs> which he cleans with Tarego, which, yo, I want to do Tarego instead of doing laundry. Are you kidding right? me? That's incredible. Oh my goodness. Magic the amount of time cool. I would save. <laughs> I need it. So she starts crying and Ron cheers her up by asking, you know what he'd say right now? And then Hermione goes, constant vigilance, <laughs> <laughs> which is, ah, it's adorable. Oh, I love it's it. so good. Love it. I love it. I love that Mad-Eye has that catchphrase. And the thing is, we don't know that Mad-Eye actually would say this because the only person that said constant vigilance was fake Mad-Eye. Yeah. So we just have to take it that Barty Crouch Jr. knew that Mad-Eye Moody said this a lot. And he just like we don't really actually, did his research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just the best method actor ever. He's basically Daniel Day-Lewis of <laughs> the Death Eaters. Oh, no. <laughs> so Hermione continues sorting through which books they should take with them. And it just makes me think that this series would be so much simpler if it took place five to ten years later later because they could just like download a bunch of ebooks to a Kindle yeah. <laughs> or save a bunch of PDFs to a laptop or put a bunch of things on their phone. Like exactly. they, they have to bring a bunch of physical books with them. That is so annoying. Ugh, so frustrating and heavy yeah. and cumbersome. And they're like, Not oh, ideal. if I, I could do a spell to do this or I could do a spell to do that. And then we're like, well, okay, so as a muggle, I understand that I can't do magic. But all of those books can literally just be in this one, like, five-pound thing <laughs> yeah. you can carry with you in your pocket. Isn't that also cool? But also, couldn't they do some sort of, and I don't know if they actually do this, can't they do some sort of shrinking charm to make them really tiny? Like, I've played Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery, and I shrunk myself in the game. So I would imagine <laughs> at least Hermione's got to know some sort of shrinking charm to turn the books into, like, the size of Tic Tacs. And then when they need to read them, they can just make them bigger. I don't know. Oh. Maybe she Ooh. will. Okay. Because, yeah, isn't it like Reducto or something? Something to make it smaller. Like, it's like Reducto and Engorgio or something. I don't know if they've actually done those in the book yet. And if they have, I apologize for forgetting it. But <laughs> I've done those two spells in Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery, so I'm basically a wizard. Basically. So Harry tries to give them the whole don't come with me talk, and Ron and Hermione shoot it down immediately. There is no discussion. They're just like, Harry, stop. We're coming with you. And that's the end of that. So they have been packing. They stole Mad-Eye Moody's polyjuice stock, mm -hmm. and Hermione altered her parents' memories to make them think that their life ambition is to move to Australia, which they've already done. Mm. So this is her prep of her not going back to school, which just seems very intense. It is. And they're like, you know, they're proving to Harry that like they're in it. Yeah, we are serious about this. We are not messing around. Yeah. So then Hermione tells Ron to show Harry what he's done and he uses Descendo, which is a spell we've never seen before, to open a hatch in the low ceiling and there's a ghoul in pajamas, which I get it's the title of the chapter. I'm still very confused. <laughs> this has never been mentioned before, right? That Ron has a ghoul or was it something mentioned offhand that I just am not remembering? I'm pretty sure it's mentioned offhand just because of like the noise that it makes. 
makes okay. sometimes at night. It makes like a creepy ghoul noise of some kind. Okay. And so I think just, they just oh yeah, you it. know us. We're the Weasleys. We have a ghoul in the attic. This is how we roll. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because Harry does then ask, that's your ghoul, isn't it? And not saying that's a ghoul. So I, I, I guess it's their pet ghoul. So as a ghoul, is it like a ghostly thing? Because in the in the little drawing of the chapter, it doesn't look like a ghost of sorts. No. In my brain, a ghoul is like a synonym for a ghost. So I don't know what this is supposed to look like. Well, they did mention also that they had transfigured it to look like this. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I don't know that we know actually what the ghoul is supposed to look like. I think it's probably always supposed to smell like that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we don't know what it actually looks like. Yeah, in the drawing of the chapter title, it's kind of like a troll-looking thing where it's like really hairy and stuff. But... I don't really know. I also don't think that it really matters. So basically <laughs> the ghoul they have made to look as close to Ron as possible. It's got red hair all over and they have it covered in pestules. And apparently the ghoul is supposed to represent Ron having spattergroit when Ron leaves. So some sort of bad disease in the wizarding world where you get a bunch of boils all over you. Mm -hmm. The reason that they're doing this is that if they notice that Ron isn't at Hogwarts and people come to the borough to see what's up, they can at least show them that and say, oh, Ron hasn't gone to school because he's super sick. Yeah. So that's their play there. Arthur is in on the plan. He helped Fred and George transform the ghoul. And Molly only will be on board with the plan once Ron actually leaves. She doesn't really want to come to grips with supporting this plan until they're effectively forced to do so. Right. She's really going to stick to trying to make them not leave, which... Good on Molly, honestly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what a mom should do, is try to keep her children safe. You are not allowed to drop out of school. Yeah, get your degree. <laughs> so Hermione says that they need to decide where they are going first. And she is not sure that Godric Hollows is a good plan. Mm -hmm. And Harry, again, just insists that... He's just got this strong, inexplicable desire to go there. And last time he had a strong, inexplicable desire is when he did the Felix Felicis with the Slughorn situation. Mm -hmm. And it worked out perfectly. So you might as well trust Harry's gut. It's not like it's some random location. It is significant. And there is a good chance that there will be either a Horcrux or some sort of clue there. So seeing that I don't think they have any fucking idea of where to start, you might as well start with some sort of significant location that is part of Harry's past, is part of Voldemort's past, and maybe there will be something there. I think it's a good plan because, like, where else are they going to go? Right. And, like, the thing about it is, is, like, even if Harry's gut feeling is taking them into danger or a trap or whatever, it's better than sitting around and doing nothing. Like yeah. maybe you'll get information from like having to fight something. Maybe something's there protecting something. You know, there's just like all sorts of different ways that it could go wrong. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, why not? Yeah. What are you going to get out of it? Maybe you'll get something out exactly. of it. Exactly. And the only other thing that I can think, which I have been really pushing for, is go to Hogwarts and talk to the Dumbledore painting. I don't know why they're not doing this. This seems like a really good plan. Uh, it's baffling me. It's, it's boggling my mind. Right? <laughs> but... If they don't talk to the Dumbledore painting at some point in this book, I will be so upset <laughs> because it seems like such a easy slap in the face thing. Right. He at least can help them with something, but I don't know. We will have to see. So 
Hermione brings up the chance that Voldemort will be keeping watch of Godric's Hollow, which Harry hadn't considered, which <laughs> seems really dumb. Like how, did, like, how did you not think of this, Harry? Come on. you Like, uh, it's a significant location in Voldemort's past where he failed to murder you. You don't mm-hmm. think he did some sort of shit to that location? Right? Come on, dude. Yeah. Harry's uh. just like, he's very emotional. Yeah. And he just like has a lot of feelings and his feelings are like, oh, I have a feeling that I should go to this place, but he doesn't really think about it. He just like has a lot of feelings. Yep. He's just a big old ball of emotions. He's a glass case of emotions, if you will. Exactly. (laughs) So Ron brings up R.A.B. again, which is definitely Regulus Black, but they haven't talked about this yet. It's so obvious. So they're saying that there's a chance that R.A.B. did in fact destroy the Horcrux, as the note said that their plan was Mm -hmm. at the end. And Ron asks how they would even destroy a Horcrux if and when they find one. And Hermione says that she has been doing research. She said that she just did Accio to get the removed books out of Dumbledore's office into her dorm after the funeral. And it worked, which is brilliant. Yeah. It's so good. Just be like, Accio, stuff I'm not supposed to have. (laughs) Oh, whoa. (laughs) Look at this book. Worth a try. (laughs) Yeah. One of these books is called Secrets of the Darkest Art, which gives full instructions on how to make a Horcrux. And Hermione thinks that this is the book that Voldemort used because as we learned in the past, these were books that existed in the Hogwarts library and then Dumbledore hid them in his office. So with Dumbledore dead, they're not hidden anymore. She can take them. So she thinks this is the actual book that Tom really used. Mm -hmm. And Hermione says that after looking into it, Voldemort making six Horcruxes is even harder to comprehend just because looking at how difficult it is to make a horcrux and how harmful it is for the person making them hermione is just shocked that the dude actually went through with it and did it right so super intense stuff by tom riddle yeah ron asks if there's a way to put yourself back together hermione says yes but it's very painful and the only way to do it is through remorse so voldemort's not doing that shit (laughs) yeah like bye not happening (laughs) count that out for sure Rod asks if it mentions destroying Horcruxes, and Hermione also says yes, and that Harry using the fang was one of the foolproof ways to do it. Ron then says, oh, well, lucky we've got such a large supply of basilisk fangs then, which, yes, Ron (laughs) is becoming on par with Ginny and Fred and George now, which I love. I want every Weasley to be sassy, except for Percy. He can go away and never come back, and I don't want to ever read his name again. (laughs) Hermione corrects and says, it doesn't have to be a basilisk fang. It has to be something so destructive that the Horcrux can't repair itself. Mm -hmm. She cites that the only antidote to basilisk venom is Phoenix Tears, which is very rare, so that qualifies as being destructive enough. Mm -hmm. But Hermione notes that that's the problem. Few things are as destructive as basilisk venom, and those that are are dangerous to carry, which makes sense. So I don't know what else is on par with basilisk venom. I'm sure we'll learn about it. I don't know exactly what Dumbledore was doing with the burnt hand because we didn't actually learn what was causing his hand to burn, right? Right. We just learned that it was burned because of it. Yeah. So my theory is that it's some sort of powerful spell that is maybe like some really intense fire thing. Maybe it's the golden flames that Harry flew out of his wand and he didn't know what they were. Mm. But (laughs) my theory is that it's some sort of like some sort of spell that makes some intense flamethrower and you have to put the Horcrux really close. So he like burned his hand doing it. So I don't know if this is something that Harry will do, but 
but that's the only other thing that I can think of that we've learned is maybe as strong as basilisk venom. I guess love, so love is really powerful. <laughs> I yes. don't know if that can destroy a horcrux, <laughs> but the only thing that we've seen to be really powerful is basilisk venom and, and love. love. <laughs> <laughs> so Ron asks why the soul can't just move to a new object, and Hermione says that because a horcrux is the opposite of a human. She gives the example of using a sword against Ron. So if she just shanked Ron with a sword, his soul would stay intact, even though his body wouldn't. But a horcrux <laughs> is the exact opposite, where it needs the container to survive. So if you break the thing holding it, you break the soul part inside of it. I really do appreciate this whole interaction, though, because Ron, unlike Harry Potter, asks all of the questions mm -hmm. that need to be answered, whereas Harry throughout the entire series just goes, oh, okay, yeah, uh-huh, whatever, and never asks people anything, where Ron is like, okay, wait, but what about this, and what about this, and what about this, and I get that this is happening so that the reader understands how everything works, right. but I'm so glad that Ron actually asks questions, because Harry never does. Harry just, like, stumbles upon stuff. He's just like, oh, yes, this basilisk thing, it is next to me. Therefore, <laughs> <laughs> it's like he doesn't even have to ask questions. Yeah. Either someone else will ask the question or it will just happen to be next to him. Mm -hmm. I do like that Harry had the thought of regretting not asking Dumbledore a lot of questions because if he would have, so many things would have been cleared up. But you're right. He just kind of lets things fall into place and hopes that answers <laughs> find their way into his lap without him seeking them out. So I very much appreciate Ron here. Harry wonders how Dumbledore destroyed the ring. Again, he is reminded of how little he actually asked Dumbledore and regrets it. Good, you should feel that way. Uh, Mrs. Weasley then bursts in, saying that more wedding prep is needed to be done. Ron just wants the wedding to be over so they can stop doing chores. Harry says, yeah, then we'll have nothing to do except find horcruxes. It'll be like a holiday, won't it? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So the next morning, the Delacours arrive, and it's two days before the wedding since the little sister Gabrielle is a bridesmaid and she can't travel alone. This goes on forever. There's all this like weird back and forth about the Delacours that ultimately is pointless. I don't know why we had to learn about them for two chapters. I don't care about the Delacour family. But <laughs> we do learn that Charlie is going to be Bill's best man, meaning that Charlie will be in this book finally. Oh, my goodness. I was reading God. this chapter, and it came on that part, and I was like, oh, man, Mike is going to be so stoked. Charlie's here, and he's great. I was very excited. He's here. But you know how long he's here for? Three quarters of a page, <laughs> which is bullshit. So we've waited three damn books for Charlie to come back, and we get <laughs> three paragraphs. Ugh. So I'm at least excited that he was back. Very disappointed that it was such a short stint. So the Delacours show up. My favorite part is when like the little 11-year-old Vila girl is like making eyes at Harry, and Ginny's just like, <clears throat> yeah. excuse me? <laughs> You small child, away Back with off. you. <laughs> Just because you're kind of pretty, but you're also 11 or however old yeah. she is. I don't want to mess up her age uh, because people get so mad, but she is young. She's very young. <laughs> so then Molly talks about the final preps needing to be taken and that there's a bunch of protective charms that need to be done and that it's kind of hard to do so. And Harry kind of feels guilty about this because he realizes that all of this protection is because of him and because he's staying in the and because he will be at the wedding. All right, Pass Mike, why don't you go get a glass of water because it's time for Wingardi Madridosa. Mm. 
Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Care Of. Look, it's 2019. It's the new year. It's the new you. You're trying to be healthy. You're trying to get all your vitamins and minerals in there. And even with your new diet, you're not getting all the stuff that you need. Don't you just wish that someone could take care of that for you? Well, that's where Care Of comes into play. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. With Care Of, you can build a vitamin routine that's made just for you and your health goals. You take a quick and simple online quiz which helps identify your goals, whether you need heart health or brain health or skin health or bone health, whatever it may be. It'll ask about your diet, goals, lifestyle, and at the end you'll have a personal scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendation. Your personal box comes with individual packs for your daily multivitamins and it's super easy. You can just grab a pack, throw it in your bag, throw it in your purse, whatever. Very simple. And a portion of every sale goes towards the Good Plus Foundation, which provides expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins. I just received my first box from Care-of, and it is great. The quiz was so simple, and now I have some supplements that I'm having a hard time getting in New York City in the winter, for example, like vitamin D. I don't see the sun a whole lot, so it's nice for me to get that because it's not so easy to get it in my regular diet. So it's great, and I'm glad that I can be a little bit healthier. So you can get a very special New Year's offer for 50% off your first month of personalized Care-of vitamins, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code POTTERLESS50. Again, just for the new year, the new offer that they have, you can get 50% off your first month of Care of Vitamins if you go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code POTTERLESS50 at checkout. And now you can start taking care of yourself today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch cool stuff you can do with arena club including their slab packs if you have ever done any sort of card collecting you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card but what's nice about the slab packs with arena club is that you have full transparency you see what available cards are there what your percentage of getting them is what the gradings are so it is not a complete black box you're going into this knowing what cards you might get and i've been using arena club and it's pretty cool it's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want. And then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me. And then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash potterless. Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you want to collect some cards or rip open some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club to day. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So that's the end of chapter six. And then we get into chapter seven, The Will of Albus Dumbledore, which great title. I was very excited. It was something I didn't even process, but was very excited to learn about. So the chapter begins with Harry having a weird dream. And of course, Ron waking him up before he can realize exactly what it is. Right. The dream was him walking along a mountain road, seeking a man who held the answer to his problem. And that's all we got. But more on that later, apparently. Um, the <laughs> scar on Harry's forehead is really hurting a bunch, though. So this makes me think that this is one of those dreams where it's actually the eyesight of Voldemort. Right. So Ron tells Harry that he kept murdering murmuring Grigorovich in his sleep, which that's not a name we've heard yet, right? That that hasn't been mentioned so far? Okay. I mean, maybe very briefly once that you're really not expected to remember. <laughs> okay, cool, 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 cool. I'm just making sure it's not anything that I'm missing that's important. I'm sure we will learn more about him in about 10 chapters. So <laughs> neither of them know who it is. Harry's thought is that Voldemort is seeking him out, though. Harry thinks that Voldemort is abroad looking for him, as the scenery did not look like Britain. Yeah. So Harry thinks that the name sounds familiar, and... Ron asks, oh, is it because of Quidditch? Is, are you thinking of Dragomir Gorgovich, a chaser who transferred to the Chudley Cannons for a record fee two years ago? So basically like Neymar, yeah. someone that was traded for a lot of money. And Harry says, no, it's not that. Uh, Ron then just drops it, wishes him a happy birthday, which Harry forgot about. He <laughs> says, oh, yeah, right. I'm 17. Like, <laughs> which, Voldemort is very distracted. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. But your birthday is extremely significant for lots of things going on, Harry. So you would think you might remember. Yeah. <laughs> so Harry tries to accio his glasses, which at first... I don't know why he was doing this. It's only a couple feet away and it feels really cool. It pokes him in the eye and Ron goes slick. <laughs> and my first thought was, oh, maybe he's just doing this because he's lazy slash. If I was a wizard, I would do this all the time. But then all I was like, time. oh, right. It's because he can actually do magic now. And he just wants any excuse to do spells. But at first I was like, okay, Harry's being lazy. Great. Why are we learning about this, JK Rowling? <laughs> it's very exciting. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, yes, I am going to do nothing. Nothing for the rest of the day. I will lay here. I will make everything. I will summon everything to me. <laughs> I'm going to apparate down the hallway instead of walking. <laughs> I'm doing all the magic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Harry just starts moving stuff around the attic with magic because he can now. So <laughs> just exactly. to like get it out of his system. Harry then tries tying his shoes with magic. He makes a knot that's nearly impossible to undo. Rob then <laughs> says, I do your fly by your hand, though, which is great. <laughs> But there's a bit of a problem because the book says that Ron sniggered, which, again, can we not use the word sniggered? It is one letter away from being really bad. Yeah. I don't know if people in the UK actually say this word, but just say snickered. It's the same thing and doesn't sound like a big old racist word. Right. I don't. 
I don't get the insistence on using words like this and ejaculate and grope. Can we just not? Can we please just not? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, no, 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 no. But aside from J.K. Rowling using problematic words, Ron is killing it and he is continuing to kill it. I'm very much enjoying new sassy Ron. I just like, Harry like looks down at his fly like, wait, is my fly down? (laughs) I can't tell if Ron was like trying to make him look or if Ron was like, literally though, from experience, you should really not do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with that theory that Ron tried to do it once and had a interesting injury. (laughs) But also as a a man uh, who wears, or anyone that wears pants with a fly, it's not just a dude problem. Anytime flies are mentioned at all, my first instinct is to look down and make sure that my fly isn't undone. Like anytime I'm wearing pants, even if I know that there's zipped up. If someone mentions any sort of zipper, my brain is like, you got to look, you got to check, you got to make sure. (laughs) So Ron gives Harry Potter his present, which is a book titled 12 Failsafe Ways to Charm Witches, which I don't know if this is a useful book or is this pretty much just like a, hey, here's how to pick up chicks book. Um, what the feeling I get from it is like, it's very like instructional and very like Mostly, like, here's how to, like, talk to another human being in a nice way. (laughs) Talk to them. Ask them about their family situation. Pull out chairs for them. Open the door. (laughs) Exactly. Here's how to treat other humans. Good job. You did it. Are you socially awkward and you don't know how to interact with people? Here's the book for you, which honestly, (laughs) Harry could probably use. Probably. Harry goes downstairs and Mrs. Weasley says, happy birthday. And happy birthday on behalf of Mr. Weasley, who is currently at work. The present that they have given them is a watch with gold stars circling around instead of hands, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. It's similar to the one that they gave Ron for his 17th birthday because that's just a traditional type of gift that you give to a wizard when they turn 17. Mm -hmm. Harry loves the gift, gives her a big hug while she is trying to downplay the watch saying, oh, it's a hand-me-down from her brother, which makes it way better, honestly. Yeah. Because we know that all of her brothers were like tragically murdered by Death Eaters, right? Yes, I believe so. So it's definitely sad, but also, I don't know, I think it's cooler to have a watch that's a hand-me-down rather than just, oh, hey, I bought you a watch from a store. Yeah. Here's a watch that was from my brother who was a really good wizard. Hell yeah. I totally love that. And it seems like this is like traditionally the gift that you get from your parents. You yeah, know? exactly. And it just is like there's nobody there to give it to him except for them. And it wouldn't even matter if it was a hand-me-down or if it was new or if it was whatever. It's just the mm-hmm. fact that they did. Yeah, it's just the symbolism behind a parent-like figure giving you this type of gift. It doesn't matter if the watch is crappy or whatever. And honestly, it's probably like a cool vintage watch. Like it's probably got a cool old school vibe to it. So I'm all about it. So Hermione comes down, says happy birthday and gives him a new Sneakoscope, which honestly seems like kind of a shitty gift. I don't know how hard it is to get Sneakoscopes, but it seems like something you can just get at Wizard Target. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't seem like, it's like, oh, cool, thanks, Hermione. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe she thinks it'll be useful. Yeah, it's definitely useful. Which is like a very Hermione thing to do. Like, I'm going to get a gift. Let's see, what would be the most useful item for our journey? (laughs) You know? like (laughs) Definitely, definitely. So Harry gets an enchanted razor from Bill and Fleur. He gets chocolate 
Bennett from the Delacours, and he gets a bunch of wizarding wheezes from Fred and George, which I love. So good. Glad that they are just giving him, oh, what should we get Harry? Oh, I don't know, just grab him something from the store. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> no thought in it. He basically prepaid for everything in that store anyway. Yep, he did. It's all, it's all his. So Ginny asks Harry to come to her room, which, ooh, spicy. She says, happy birthday. And Harry says, yeah. Thanks. Uh, she says that she didn't know what to get him, but she wanted to give him something to remember her by in case he met a Vila along the way. So going back to that little Vila girl trying to step on her turf. Yeah. Harry says, well, I think dating opportunities will be slim. And Ginny says, well, that's the silver lining that I've been looking for, which is very cute. And then they start just licking each other's faces. <laughs> Big old makeout session. Get it. So, of course, Ron then walks in on them while they're sucking face. And this makes Harry come back down to earth and realize why he did the whole superhero breakup in the first place. Mm. And then just awkwardly says, uh, I'll see you later. And then leaves, oh, which God. makes me very upset. He should have already started reading his book about the 12 <laughs> ways. <laughs> yep. You know, gotta know what's up. He clearly hasn't cracked that book open yet. <laughs> Ron is upset at Harry because he broke up with her and then now is snogging her and he says that Ginny took it really hard and he doesn't want to get her hopes up. So this is a much better older brother approach by Ron, much better than when he was just yelling at her for making out with Dean in the secret passageway. Mm -hmm. This is something that actually makes sense and Ron has good intentions here. Right. So I support this big brother moment by him because it actually has meaning behind it. For sure. And her, I think that's like one of the reasons why Hermione, this whole conversation is just like standing in the background being like, everything's going to be okay. Because she's like, I literally, I can't really disagree agree uh -huh. with what he's saying yep it's pretty valid mm -hmm. totally harry starts to say it's not like we're gonna get married but then he envisions her marrying someone else and he gets really sad because her future is mm. free and all he can think of is that his future is voldemort so <laughs> i'm also assuming he doesn't want to come to grips with the idea of her getting with someone else, right. uh, not just thinking about having to kill the devil. Right. I would like to imagine that like he's having this like, oh no, Ginny is walking down the aisle and there's another man and then it's immediately followed by him at the end of an aisle watching Voldemort walk down the aisle towards <laughs> oh, him. Oh <laughs> no. That's a fanfic I'm sure exists. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> So then Ron says, if you keep groping her every chance you get, and here's where I have a big problem, because J.K. Rowling kept using the word groping to talk about just grabbing for something, and everybody on Twitter was trying to tell me this. No, 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 she just means searching around for something. Groping's not a problematic word. But clearly, Ron is using groping here to talk about actual groping. Yes. So it's got to be one or the other, J.K. Either you're going to use groping as a synonym for feeling just for stuff non-sexual, or you're using grope like clearly J.K. Rowling knows how the word groping is meant to be intended oh, if sure. she uses it in this sentence so why are you using it when yeah. you say Harry is groping in his backpack like no, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, word choice oh, words geez. mean things <laughs> uh. yeah Anyway, Harry says that it won't happen again, which is a lie. Yeah. That's not happening. They're going to totally make out soon. <laughs> and then Ron says, right, then, well, that's, yeah, which, boom, nailed it. Kill, yep. Killing it, Good Ron. job, Ron. So here we go. The moment we've all been waiting for, Charlie Weasley then arrives, and yes. I was so excited, but... 
we don't get a whole lot of information. I was very excited to cherish these pages, but I didn't even get a full page. Yeah. So they have the birthday dinner with great decorations, and we learn absolutely nothing about Charlie, except for that he is there, and that his hair is shaggy, and that Molly Weasley uh, wants to give him a haircut. Now, we get more Charlie later, but not much more. Yeah. This was like two sentences. Later on, we get two paragraphs. Ooh. <laughs> so Hermione made a bunch of purple and gold decorations for the birthday dinner. Ron compliments them, saying that she's got a knack for this sort of thing, which she enjoys but is also surprised by because <laughs> this is not something that Ron would normally do. And Harry thinks, ah, Ron has definitely been reading 12 Ways to Charm a Witch and compliments must be chapter one. Uh, so, <laughs> which is just great. It's just like how to be nice to people. Yeah, how to be a civil human being is compliment them when they do good things. Uh. So Harry gets inspired by this and kind of shoots a smirk at Ginny but then quickly remembers what happened two pages ago and then decides, oh, right, I can't do this. So he drops it. Mrs. Weasley, we learned, baked Harry a giant snitch-shaped cake, which seems really difficult because a snitch is a sphere with wings. Yeah. I don't know how. She's got to be a really good baker. That cannot have been easy to prepare. Right? And Harry's like, don't make a big fuss about my birthday. Everything's <laughs> fine. And I was like, it's Mrs. Weasley. Yeah, she's going to She's going to do it. Yeah. She seems like she needs to be on the Great British Bake Off because that seems real tough. <gasps> So, yes. <laughs> so Harry notes that Tonks looks absolutely radiant, but Lupin looks very sad. And then mm. there's no other mention of this until a little bit later when Lupin leaves the party very abruptly. So Haggard is also there in a hairy suit, which doesn't <laughs> sound comfortable or appealing. It sounds ugly and itchy. I love it. I love it. Make, it's making a return is my favorite yeah. part. <laughs> it's a great moment. Haggard then gives Harry his gift, which is a moke skin, which at first I thought it was moleskine, like those notebooks. And I was like, oh, cool. He gave him wow. a notebook tight. But no, he gave him a moke skin, which is way cooler, which is this thing that you wear around your neck. And when you put something into it, only the owner can take it out. Which seems like this will prove very useful later on. This seems like a great gift. And I love that Hagrid, who doesn't know about this plan, just happened to give Harry probably the most useful thing on his journey <laughs> that they have yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whereas the other two, Ron and Hermione, got him gifts that are okay. Like, Ron's is not useful at all. No, it's not <laughs> useful in any way. Like, where on your search for horcruxes is Harry going to use this information? And you won't let him use it on your sister. Right? Uh, uh, seems very so, silly. What's the point? <laughs> <laughs> this is where we get the three quarters of the page about Charlie Weasley because Hagrid sees Charlie and calls him over. Says, oh, Charlie's here. I love Charlie. Come on over. So we learn that Mrs. Weasley did give Charlie the haircut. Mm -hmm. And we learn that Charlie is shorter than Ron, but Ron is the tallest Weasley. So that's not that impressive. But Charlie is described as, quote, thick set with burns and scratches all up his muscly arms. So Charlie is thick as we have learned. <laughs> it is confirmed that Charlie yes. is ripped and he is thick with two C's. So Hagrid asks about Norbert and Charlie laughs, saying that they call her Norberta now because Norbert, Norberta, is a girl. Yeah. Hagrid is very surprised and Hermione asks, how can you tell? And Charlie says that they are more vicious, which I love. Yes. I love when predatorial animals are more vicious when they're the ladies, kind of like how lady lions do all of the hunting and male lions don't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, I love it. It's so good. I love it. So Charlie says that he wishes Mr. Weasley was home because Molly is getting antsy. And that's all we hear from Charlie. So the only yeah. things we've learned about him is that he doesn't like his hair cut short. He's ripped as hell. And he's worried about his mom being too antsy. And that is it. He told us one fun fact about dragons, which is not enough. I'm very <laughs> disappointed. I, oh, uh, yeah. I hope he makes a comeback. I hope this is not the only bit of Charlie Weasley in this book because he's the best Weasley and I don't know why we <laughs> refuse to learn about him. We were having uh, a conversation on our podcast the other day about like, who's the hottest Weasley? Charlie, no question. And I said, that was, I was like, is it Charlie? And then we were like, oh, I think we're supposed to think it's Bill. But then we decided on Ginny oh, in the end. Oh, yeah. I was like, it's probably Ginny. But like Charlie, I feel like, is probably a front runner. He like works with dragons. Right? That's pretty with, hot. The thing with Charlie, yeah. Like if you're going with physical <laughs> looks, I think the books have said that Bill is the most attractive. And if you've played Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery, Bill is hot as fuck. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but Bill now, at least in the, I guess he's 90s cool, but he like ponytail, <laughs> dragon fang earring, like not a good look. Charlie... <laughs> who at least has to look similar to the Weasleys, who have been described as generally attractive. Like, Ginny's supposed to be one of the hottest girls in school. Yeah. And I think Fred and George are probably good-looking dudes, and we know that Bill is hot. So, like, Charlie's at least got the genes to be attractive of his own regard. But then you take into the fact that he's ripped as hell, <laughs> and you take into the fact that he's got the coolest job and has cool scars from it. Like, yeah. his job is the equivalent of, like, a dude that, I don't know, drives, like, a big old motorcycle or, or something where it's like, oh, wow, tell me about... <laughs> blah 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 so he's got something <laughs> where girls would be like oh dragons wow so it's gotta be it's gotta be charlie he's lived abroad like he lives in romania so he's traveled yeah. the world i'm sure he's got he's the best catch but Ginny is also fantastic and super duper sassy we clearly just have not learned enough about charlie which is <laughs> clearly breaks yeah. my heart breaks my heart so Mrs. Weasley is about to say, let's just start the dinner without Arthur, when they see a flash of light in the form of a weasel, which is a Patronus from Arthur. I like that Arthur Weasley has a weasel Patronus. Right. Uh, and it warns that the minister is coming with him. Here's my question. Uh, is that how Patronuses work? Can you do that? I thought their whole thing was that they fight Dementors. I didn't know you could send secret messages. I feel like that happens multiple times in this book where like all of a sudden there's something that you thought you understood <laughs> and it all of a sudden has like this brand new purpose. Oh yeah, like we learned about the whole snitch thing with the first touch enchantment, which we'll cover in a little bit. <laughs> exactly. So it's just like another one of those things where you just have to be like, uh, okay. Sure. I guess that that's what that does now. <laughs> yeah. Seems kind of silly, but also this seems like if you can do this, why was this not used at the Quidditch World Cup when Molly was worried sick and thought all of her family members were going to die? Send a Patronus mm -hmm. saying like, we're okay. You know, uh, it's one of these things where I get that adding stuff later on is fine. But when you go back and you think of some of the earlier books, like this could have really helped in a lot of different situations. But yeah, absolutely. Whatever. The other thing that this made me realize is that Harry's birthday is going to be ruined because Scrimger is going to show up. And oh, spoiler God. alert, it does because Scrimger uh, fucking sucks. So <laughs> Lupin then says, we shouldn't be here, Harry. I'm sorry. I'll explain another time. And he takes Tonks with him. They hop over the fence and then they leave. So very confusing, but clearly the minister and Lupin are not friends. Mm -hmm. There is something bad going on there. 
Arthur and Rufus then arrive. Rufus apologizes for being a gate crasher at the party. And I don't know if this is a British term. Uh, have you ever heard of the phrase gate crashing rather than just crashing a party? I haven't. Okay, well then for that, we're going to turn to our lovely segment with our UK correspondent, Dottie James. <laughs> <laughs> and now it is time for British Quandaries with UK correspondent, Dottie James. Gate crashing is a very everyday term for just turning up where you're not invited. So gate crashing a wedding, gate crashing a party, gate crashing someone's, I don't know, date. Um, <laughs> it's it's pretty popular. There's even a song about it by mid-2000s band Busted called Crash the Wedding. It's really good. That was really, really popular. It's, it's just a really popular term. Yeah, it's for showing up somewhere you're not invited. This has been British Quandaries with UK correspondent Dottie James. Wow, look at that. We learned so many things. Rufus <laughs> Grimger requires a private word with the squad, and they fear that he has learned about them wanting to skip, but it is not. So he wants to talk to them individually, wants to talk with Ron first, and they refuse, saying, no, you're going to talk to all of us at the same time or none of us. Right. Which is great. I love it. I love it's it. It's totally valid. This guy is A, super sketchy, and Slimy. B, like, what would the Minister of Magic have to do with, like, truancy? When is the Minister of Magic, like, personally involved? And also, what would he have to do with Ron Weasley alone? We cannot trust Ron alone, as we learn in a page. <laughs> yeah. So we learn that the reason that Scrimger is here is because he is going to give the three of them stuff that Albus Dumbledore left in his will. So they are shocked and excited at first, but they quickly realize it's been a damn month since Dumbledore died and they are upset thinking, what has been going on? Why has this been taking so long? Have you just been going through this stuff the whole time? Scrimger says yes that they have, but he cites that they are allowed to do so under the decree for justifiable confiscation. But Hermione oh pulls a marshal from How I Met Your Mother and says <laughs> lawyered, saying that that was put in place to stop the passing on of dark artifacts. Do you really think Dumbledore left us dark artifacts? Reuven asks if she is going to pursue a career in magical law, and Hermione says no because she wants to do some Jeez. good in the world. Wrap your horn. Just like so. Um, Harry Potter is my best friend. He's the chosen one i can literally say anything i want to the minister of magic mm -hmm. this guy sucks and also apparently i know way more about magical law than i have any business yeah. knowing that's the thing is like the amount of reading that hermione has done she could probably go to med school or law school because she's probably already read every book for those just because she just loves learning just because she's already read every book every book except for <laughs> beetle the bard apparently yeah. uh, so harry asks if they're only giving them the gifts now because they can't think of a pretense to keep them and hermione again lawyers up and says no because the law states that they can't keep it past 30 days or 31 days unless they deem the items to be dangerous. So Scrimger asks Ron if he and Dumbledore were close and Ron says no and Hermione shoots him the death look of what the <laughs> hell are you doing? And then they backtrack it successfully. Successfully. <laughs> <laughs> Enough. They get it. They yeah. get the job done. The will says, quote, to Ron Billius Weasley. Here's my question. Is Bill Weasley's name Billius Weasley? Does William not exist? 
exist in the <laughs> wizarding world? They're bilious? No, Ron has his middle name from like his uncle or something. His first name is Bilious. Okay. And I don't know that Bill's first name is Bilious, but I think it'd be really weird to name your one of your kids one thing and then give that as a middle name to another one of your kids. But I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of them. The thing is... They have so many kids that they're just running out of family names. Yeah. Because clearly the only middle name that can matter in the Harry Potter universe, and this is how my family is, but I know not every family is like this, but every middle name that we know of is someone that's related to you mm -hmm. with Tom Marvolo Riddle, or at least someone that's important to you because, you know, Albus Cerverus Potter, which oh. Snape's got to have the big fucking 180 to get Harry Potter's kid's middle name. There was a great meme that was posted in Potterless's Facebook group that has spoilers. Someone posted it there, but then Kelly told me, oh, no, actually, it doesn't have any spoilers. And the joke is something that, like, Harry goes to heaven and he sees all of, you know, James and Sirius and all them, and they're all giving him the cold shoulder. And he's like, what's going on, guys? Like, I don't get it. What's the big deal? I saved the world. Why are you guys not proud of me? And then Sirius just turns to him and goes, you named your kid after Snivellus? <laughs> <laughs> So good. I so love good. that. Uh, love a good meme. So yeah, if you want to get some spicy memes, go to the Potterless Fancy private group, and then you can even join the Potterless Fancy spoiler included fancy private group. Lots of good funny memes and jokes posted there. In the will, it says that to Ron Billius Weasley, I leave my deluminator. <laughs> here we go. Strap it's in, everybody. Time. We have been waiting for this moment for months. Now, here is why I still stand by that. It's the put-outer, and JK realized it's a dumb, <laughs> stupid name and is just trying to pull one over on us because there is no mention anywhere of Harry saying, oh, I thought it was called the put-outer or Dumbledore nicknaming it the put-outer or anyone saying that an alternate name for the deluminator is the put-outer. The other thing, we learned that the deluminator was invented by Dumbledore and it's the only one. To our knowledge, there aren't a bunch of deluminators out there. Right. So it's not like the put-outer is something made by someone else and that's a brand name or whatever. There's no mention of it being a synonym or whatever. It's just, it's the deluminator and it's always been. And in book one, I don't know who you think the narrator <laughs> is, whether you think it's Harry or you think it's a muggle or whatever, but in book one, it's called the put-outer and in book five, when Harry is definitely 100% the narrator, it's called the put-outer. Yes. So we've got two different narrators, whatever you want to put into perspective, calling it the put-outer. And now we've got it just like, oh, yeah, it's the deluminator with no other mention. That's some fucking bullshit. It's a put outer. J.K. Rowling just thought of a better name for it seven books into the series. Six books later, she realized, oh, put outer is a stupid fucking name, which it is. But commit, double down, call it the put outer, keep it the put outer. Don't be a coward, J.K. Okay. Rowling. So here's my theory. Here's, here's what I have to say about okay. this. Now, what if Dumbledore, he like invents this thing, he calls it the put-outer, he thinks he's very witty, you know, whatever, he's having a great time. And then he's writing his will and he's like, oh shit, I can't, I can't call this the put-outer in my will. I gotta come up with a new name for this. This is terrible. <laughs> but the one, uh, the like, it, what, what surprises me 
is that clearly in book five with Harry being the narrator, Harry thinks that it is called the put outer. Yes. So if this was like actual, a real moment and it says deluminator, if this was honest and genuine, Harry would have said, oh, I thought that thing was called the put outer. <laughs> Even if you want to change the name of it and you want to retcon JK mm. and you want to make it so you don't sound so stupid <laughs> to call something the put outer, throw in one sentence where Harry goes, oh, I thought that thing was called the put outer. My bad. And then Hermione could say something like, oh, people call it that as like a joke, kind of like how you can call a remote control for the TV a remote control, or some people call it a clicker. Like mm -hmm. I grew up in the Northeast and in New Jersey, we all call them clickers. And I've never met another person outside of New Jersey that calls the remote a clicker. Nope. Never heard that. Right. So <laughs> it's like you could at least come up with some excuse to make it some sort of like regional thing or a nickname thing or whatever. You could justify it in some way, but JK Rowling doesn't. So this confirms to me that she was like, fuck, uh, put out her such a dumb name. Why did I do this? This is so dumb. Uh, and we'll get into it later. I have a bigger problem is that Harry in a couple sentences just calls it the deluminator, which totally <laughs> then confirms my theory yeah. that Harry does not think it's called the put outer. So yep. everyone, everybody just stop. Okay. <laughs> like, it's okay that she came up with a better name later, but let's all just admit this is what it is. It's JK Rowling coming up with a better name and trying to pull one over on us and hoping that we won't remember the dumbest name of anything ever. <laughs> then we go on to the second gift, which is for Hermione. Dumbledore left his copy of Tales of Beetle the Bard and this better have some sort of use later because it seems like a book she could just get, you know, on Wizard Barnes and Noble. So <laughs> Scrimger asks if they have any sort of secret code. She says no. And if the ministry couldn't find it after 31 days, I bet I can't either. So then we go on to Harry and Dumbledore left the first snitch, which Harry ever caught in a Quidditch match at Hogwarts. And, ah. Uh, I'm glad there's no actual Quidditch in this book, or at least I hope not. I don't think there will be. I hope the duel between Voldemort and Harry in the big final moment is them playing one-on-one -on -one Quidditch. Like, I hope that's not what happens. But uh, I thought I was so close to escaping Quidditch when they said, oh, we're not going back to school. And I was like, they ain't going back to school. Oh, shit. They ain't going to play Quidditch. But I can't escape you. Never. <laughs> you tricky demon. Uh, so... My first thought for all of these is this is kind of underwhelming. Mm -hmm. And then the very next quote is Harry could not help feeling a definite sense of anticlimax, yep. which, yup. Yeah. Rufus asks Harry why his cake is in the shape of a snitch. Oh Hermione, God. quote, laughs derisively saying, oh, it can't be a reference to the fact that Harry's a great seeker. That's way too obvious. There must be a secret message from Dumbledore hidden in the icing. Hermione is so good in this whole conversation because She's she just great. like- She's taking this like anti-authority thing to a whole other level. She has no patience for people that she doesn't respect. No. And she clearly does not respect Scrimger. It's amazing. <laughs> it's very good. It's very, very good. So Scrimger says, no, I don't think there's anything in the icing, but a snitch would be a good hiding place for a small object. You know why, I'm sure. And Hermione says, because they have flesh memories. Harry and Ron, as well as everyone else reading this book, goes, what? <laughs> and uh, something that has now been defined for snitches is that they carry an enchantment by which it can identify the first human to lay their hands on it in case of a disputed capture. Now, this, I have to admit, is a pretty cool feature yeah. and makes sense so that, you know, if, if anything happens in the match, it can be clear of who actually caught it. That is very good. It's like a photo finish type thing. But uh-huh, yup, this has definitely been a thing that I didn't <laughs> think of a month ago. I thought about this when I was in that bar and I planned everything <laughs> out. Look, it's me, J.K. Rowling. It's the Deluminator. Don't read the first and fifth book. <laughs> 
so Scrimger thinks that Dumbledore enchanted it so that it would only open for Harry. And Scrimger then makes Harry take it and try to open it in front of him. Harry does, but nothing happens. And then Harry says, well, that was dramatic. Dumbledore then left Harry one more item. It's the sword of Godric Gryffindor, a.k.a. Gilbert Gottfried. And <laughs> hell yeah, this is a good gift. Finally, something useful. But... Not so great because Rufus does not want to give it to him because it is a historical artifact and he cites some BS about how it technically belongs to any strong Gryffindor so it's not necessarily Dumbledore's to give away which is a bunch of bullshit. I mean, it's very silly. I think it would be funny if he's like, here Harry, you can have this thing. It's for you. And Harry's holding it for like five seconds and all of a sudden it disappears because <laughs> like somebody 20 miles away was like, man, I could really use this sort of Godric Gryffindor right now. <laughs> or it turns into a Horcrux or whatever it is because it still might be a Horcrux. So Scrimger asks why Dumbledore would want to give it to him and then Harry says, I don't know, maybe Dumbledore thought it would look good on my wall? Uh, <laughs> Scrimger says, this is not a joke. I think that Dumbledore gave it to you so that you can use it to defeat Voldemort. And why is he saying this like it's a bad thing? Yeah. Does Scrimger not want Voldemort gone? I get that he doesn't want to admit that Voldemort is back, but he knows Voldemort is back. And if Harry can use something to murder Voldemort, this is not bad. Like, this is okay. I don't get why Scrimger thinks this is a problem. Scrimger is, like, clearly freaking out because he's we've established that he's been locked in his office alone for, like, a long time. Yeah, he's having some serious issues. <sighs> and he's like... If I let this child kill Voldemort, this band of 17-year-olds go out and destroy Voldemort, and I'm sitting in this giant ministry full of people who are very quickly becoming not my people anymore, <laughs> Yep, that makes me look real bad. Yeah. Uh, he's just very concerned with his own image, I guess, but I think getting rid of Voldemort would be great, so maybe give Harry the damn sword. Yeah, let's do that. Harry says, oh, has anyone tried sticking a sword in Voldemort? Maybe the <laughs> Ministry should put some people onto that. Instead of wasting their time stripping down deluminators, here's oh. my problem. Harry very casually just calls it a deluminator and doesn't call it a put-outer, so that throws out the theory that it's just Harry's nickname for it, so uh, I have busted this myth. It's J.K. Rowling just trying just, just pull one over on us. You're not getting it past me, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> so he says, maybe they shouldn't be wasting their time stripping down deluminators or covering up breakups from Azkaban. Shots fired. Harry then goes on a rant about how this is not how Scrimger should be choosing to use mm -hmm. his time while people are dying. And then Scrimger pulls out his wand on Harry and shoves it into his chest, yeah. which burns his shirt and... Harry is very surprised by this, as are Ron and Hermione. And then Scrimger goes on and basically just threatens Harry Potter and then ends it with saying, you know, I'm not Dumbledore and you can't say this kind of thing to me. I'm not going to let your, oh, your, you know, your problems go by the wayside. Like, I'm going to call things out, blah, blah, blah. It's time you learn some respect. And then Harry hits him with, it's time you earned it. Boo. Boo. Oh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> so good. Yeah, Scrimger is like very clearly losing it. You know? Oh, he's unraveling quickly. I, like, understand that, like, yeah, throw shade at this dude because he's, like, clearly, like, condoning fake news and, like, being awful. Mm -hmm. But also, like, it's not good 
if the minister of magic is falling apart yes. while people around him are like trying to kill him. Yeah. It's only hastening the whole situation, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're like, get the hell away from me. We clearly have some work to do that you are not, <laughs> like you cannot get done. You're not ready for this. Go back to your office and do some stuff. We got this. Close the door. Try not to die. We are going to go save some people. Uh, so Mr. and Mrs. Weasley rush in because they heard some commotion. Scrimger says that he doesn't like Harry's attitude and Harry says he doesn't like his methods, remember? And he shows him a scar in his hand again. And this is something I forgot to talk about in the episode with Danny. I just like must have skipped over it in my notes. But when Scrimger in the previous book came for Christmas and talked with Harry and tried to get it out of him, like where Dumbledore's been going and what Dumbledore's been doing, part of the argument was Harry showing the scars, basically saying like, the ministry did this to me. Yeah. Fuck the ministry. And he used it as justification just to like not hold anything back from Scrimger and just tell the truth because the scar says I must not tell mm-hmm. lies. So again, Harry goes here like, look, I'm not holding anything back. I'm going to just be complete straight up with my hatred yeah. for you. And here's the proof. Fuck off. I'm Harry Potter. <laughs> you suck. Uh, and that's how he does it. He eventually leaves and the squad goes down for dinner and everyone waited for them before they ate, which is great. But then Arthur notes, we're very hungry. Uh, (laughs) So they scoff down the food and then they move on to the cake and then everybody leaves. Good old birthday dinner for Harry. So that night, the squad then meets in the attic. Harry puts all of his most valuable things inside of the moke skin. Yes. And they throw on Muffliato and they try to figure out what is up with these shitty Dumbledore gifts. So they start with the put outer, not the deluminator. And (laughs) there is no luck. So they try the book, no luck. And then they start to think about the snitch. Hermione says she was sure something would happen when Harry grabbed it. But Harry reminds her, which I totally forgot, that he caught it in his mouth during the first game. So it wouldn't respond to his hand. So he presses it to his mouth and then there is writing on it that shows in Dumbledore's handwriting that says, I opened at the close, which dude, don't write in a code. Are you kidding me? Like give give some, like there, give very explicit instructions, Dumbledore. (laughs) This is classic, like puppet master, Dumbledore shit. Uh, it's so stupid. Well, like, you can't make an excuse for it because he literally, he gave it to Harry in his will. He knew that he was going to be dead. Like right? he knew that he was not going to be able to assist with uh, decrypting what was happening. He was just like, here, I've left you all these puzzles. Yeah, it's like if he was playing Password or any of those games where you just had to give one clue to get someone to guess something. And he was like, all right, I've got the best clue ever. I open at the close. And then all of your team just goes, what? Are you kidding me, Albus? What the fuck is that? It's a horrible clue. And then you just have to sit there as the little hourglass goes for a full minute when you have no idea what's going on. And we learn that this is horrible because the three of them have no idea what it means. You've put a secret enchantment on an item that you know that Rufus is not going to be able to figure out. And you're trusting someone in the squad to figure out that Harry has to put it in his mouth. And you got to know that they're not going to do this in front of Scrimger. You've done enough things 
to make it secret, you don't have to put I open at the close. Like, come on. Ugh. It makes me very, very upset. So they don't get the code, of course. And they wonder why <laughs> Dumbledore didn't just give Harry the sword, thinking that he had to know the ministry would want to keep it and wouldn't want to give it over. So my thought here is that Dumbledore probably did it on purpose. I don't know exactly why, but there is the chance that it is got a Horcrux in it, even though, you know, Harry used it for good to defeat the Basilisk. So maybe Dumbledore did it so that the Ministry would have it. But then we know the Ministry is being taken over by the Death Eaters. So maybe that's not good. Like, I don't, I don't know what, but I definitely think that it was intentional. I don't think it was Dumbledore slipping up. Right. We will see what the actual intentions is. But I think that Dumbledore definitely put this in place on purpose so that they could retrieve it later or so that it can be used against the Death Eaters or Voldemort or something. But I think it is no accident that the Ministry has it and Dumbledore knows it. Hermione says that she's never heard of Beetle the Bard. And Ron says, you're kidding, right? It's a kid's book. And we get a great come off it moment when Hermione makes fun of Ron. He starts listing off the titles of stories that are within it. And one of them, he says, yeah, like Babbity Rabbity and her cackling stump. And Hermione goes, what was that last one? He goes, oh, come off it, which is my favorite <laughs> Britishism that they say. And Hermione has to remind Ron that her and Harry have never heard of this book because they were brought up by muggles, yeah. which makes sense. She then says, we heard stories like Snow White and Cinderella. And Ron says, <laughs> what's that, an illness? So is this a salmonella joke? I love it. <laughs> like, I love that line. So good. So good. So they hear a crack downstairs and Ron thinks it's just Charlie trying to regrow his hair now that Molly <laughs> is asleep. So we got another Charlie sentence. Thank goodness. But not from Charlie himself. No. I hope we get more of him later. Hermione says that they should go to bed. They shouldn't oversleep. And then Ron says, yeah, a brutal triple murder by the bridegroom's mother might put a bit of a damper on the wedding. <laughs> Ron is absolutely killing it. Yes. And he turns off the lights with the put-outer, not the deluminator. Yes. And that is the end of chapter seven, and that is the end of this episode of Potterless. What? So, Sequoia, how do you feel about these two chapters of Deathly Hallows? I, Deathly Hallows is my favorite book. Cool, okay, which good. Which is, like, it's not a controversial opinion. It's just that, like, most people, it's not their favorite book. No, it's not like you picked the second book. That would be, <laughs> if anyone said their favorite book is Chamber of Secrets, I would be confused. <laughs> but yeah, I think, like, most popular favorite book is probably the sixth at least from what I've heard. I think it's probably most people have said six, then the next most people have said three, yeah. and then I think seven is third place. So it's not super hot take, but it's not the most obvious. Exactly, yeah. I love this book. I love these two chapters because as a person with a deep history of fan fiction, mm -hmm. I love myself some good ships, and Ron Hermione is like my OTP. I'm so glad they ended up together. It's so good. We get some such like good nuggets of them in yeah. this, where he's just like trying really hard, and she's like, what is mm -hmm. happening? <laughs> Which is just like really fun. So I love these two chapters. I am really excited to see like you figure out what all of these things they've been left by Dumbledore are about because that's really, really fun. Yeah, it seemed like these chapters had a lot of little hints and stuff that is going to become more impactful later. Yes. And this seems like a lot of stuff where it's a lot of setting up. So I wouldn't be surprised if this episode in particular, people listening are doing a lot of like, oh, <laughs> like yelling at whatever they're listening to the podcast. I'm like, oh, like wanting to tell me exactly what it is. So thank I had you to keep a lot for inside. not giving. Yeah, yeah I got to say thank you so much for not giving anything away. I feel like I learned nothing spoilery Whew. from this episode, which is good because it seems like 
it could have been very easy for you to give something away. So thank oh, you so sure. much. <laughs> and yeah, so thanks for being on. Um, you want to talk a little bit about Fanatical Fix uh, for people to listen to? It's a very fun podcast that I guested on once. Yeah, so my podcast is Fanatical Fix and Where to Find Them. It is a Harry Potter fan fiction podcast that I co-host with one of my best friends, Kim. What we do is we take fan fiction. One of us will read it to the other one who hasn't heard it before. So we do sort of like a live reaction. We try to predict what's going to happen in the fan fiction. Love it, love really it. Fun. Yeah. And then we always leave the end of the episode with a recommendation of a fan fiction we really, really enjoyed for people to read. So we have this whole list of recommendations going as well. And we just like, we love fan fiction and we want to, you know, support it. And yeah. And they're not always erotic, right? It's no. just any type of fan fiction. Okay. So yes, Erotica has got the erotic stuff on lockdown. Exactly. If you want fan fiction that maybe is a little more safe for <laughs> listening, yeah. uh, you get yeah. a fanatical fix. <laughs> Yeah, we definitely, you know, let them keep their lane and, we, and we've got ours. So, yeah, any kind of fan fiction we do, a lot of, you know, humor-based stuff. A lot of the stuff we read is just, like, really funny and fun and lighthearted, you know? Yeah, it's really fun. And I'm excited once I finish the books to listen to a lot more just so that I don't get any accidental spoilers <laughs> yeah, uh, for along sure. the way. <laughs> so, Sequoia, again, thank you so much for joining. And listeners, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as they say... In the wizarding world of Harry Potter before they cut the first slice of snitch-shaped cake. A wizard on! If you think I'm funny with words and stuff, you should see how funny I can be with pictures and videos. Potterless is on Instagram and I post some very goofy posts as well as very silly stories, giving a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff every now and then. You can check that out at Instagram.com slash Podcast. Potterless was created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Leon Davis, Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Erica and Calvin Bauer, Sadie Baird, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Deborah Wilkins, Klaus Loku, Alex Stark, Rebecca Adamick, Frank Chiodo, Marchismo, Tori Larsic, Samantha Rose, Juan and Philio, Janet Dowsett, Kieran Webb, Abita Med, Caitlin Jordan, Pontillo, Rosemary Dodge, Jill Boulay, Marie Lisa C. Keen, Ariel Bird, Romina Riva Danera, Pinky Pan, Camille Doc, Anthony Bonarigo, Russell Dunk, Dustin Wolin Cooch, Katie Rogers, Audra Indiana Mercer, Eleanor Curlin, Sydney Cawthorn, Billy Hinton, Rossane Batamana, Micah Cole, Andrea Franz, Nikita Power, Colette Smith, Chrissy Hutton, Trina Unadcat, Lola Palmer, Chelsea Green, Taylor Armstead, Love Cash Longer, Ali Madsen, Cassandra Aponte, Roxy Chaos, Emilia Krauss, Sean Montag, Jeremiah E. Hurd, Sarah Nink, Jesus J. Morales, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Pulido, Jessica Ann, Natalie Jung, Arna Goodna, Daughter, Brandy Baldonado, Melody McGinnis, Kristen Chavez, Zach Ross, Klein, Elisa Figueroa, Diego Costa, Daisy Carrot and Sutter, Jessica Jacob, Orchid Grower, Jonathan Fua, Joe Harrison, Isabel, Steve Trelor, Vivian Santos, Samuel Minor, Victoria, Renee, Elena, Takaria, Ront, Darlene Ruiz, Drake Perez, James Stepp, Healy Hastings, Marino, Moster, Hannah Shepard, Angelina Withred, Ross Marie Heisset, Peter Bemis, Maria Vega, Phineas Ebner, Natalie Lozano, Hermione Hoff, Victoria Julian Lee, Ganji Singh, Alex Bisholta, Brian Williams, Caitlin Sullivan, Cecily Togball, Raul Avila, Finn Stuckey, Mosin, Sadiqui, Grace, Riggle, Sammy Crazy, Raul Pineda, Ingan Oddstotter, Mary Wynn, Brian Wingate, Heidi Stoll, Alexandra Con John Kotker, Jen and Juice, Seferin Baez, Dusty Nickerim, Noel Basile, Tao, Hala O'Keefe, Emily Tyrell, Michael Russell, Robin Fernandez, Rebecca Shumway, Patricia Colon, Aaron Rapp, Jane Lance, Will Barrington, Neil Fournier, Harper Caldwell, Liz Bigelow, Maria Noah, Brandon Pickens, Vittorio Nicoletta, Sarah Enslin, Teal, Sina Schutzeberg, Silje Brunstad, Rodmansini, Desiree Korf, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillum, Sarah and Patrick Donovan, Alley Cat 29, William Byford, Hallie Bowen, and Can't I Potter? Web design by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Bettina Campomanes. If you want to find us on social media, you can go to facebook.com slash potterless, twitter.com slash potterlesspod, and instagram.com slash potterlesspodcast, or reddit.com slash r slash potterless. For more information on the show, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com, and for bonus content, you can go to patreon.com slash potterless. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, a wizard on!